0: In a world full of cancel culture, greenwashing and the climate scaries, we can sometimes be too scared to ask the controversial sustainability questions in fear of being called out.
1: But what if we could normalise not knowing?
0: On this episode, we find out if people are too scared to have conversations about sustainability. So, we first take it to the streets to get your opinion, and then we talk to pop culture icon Troy Sivan
1: to get his take. And we finally finish with Green Senator Sarah Hansen-Young to get that good expert advice. Let's get into it.
0: Are you afraid to have conversations about sustainability in fear of not knowing enough about the topic?
2: Not so much afraid to have conversations, just kind of that it's almost pointless because yeah. me as a singular person can't do anything about it, mm-hmm. so... I mean, it's more governments and stuff that should be having the conversations, so... Yeah. Um, like, I guess so, give us your yeah, thoughts. yeah,
0: like, you don't want to feel like some, you're talking to someone who knows a lot about the conversation, totally. and then you're like, no, and then I'll explain yourself, and you're like, um, yeah, i just got no explanation. Yeah, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> not, no, know, no fair. Know, yeah, so it's true, I reckon, yeah, yes.
1: yes would be Yeah, it can be a bit that. overwhelming.
2: Yes, to a certain extent, I think I know enough to make a general macro decision, but mm. not enough to make, like, policy change, yeah. um, stuff like that. I think... I think everyone, like, generally knows, like, the baseline of sustainability. Like, I think you can engage in a conversation about it. Totally. And, like, know the gist of that. We need to be more sustainable. What
0: would you say to someone, just say a friend who said to you, I want to know more about the topic, but I feel like I don't know enough, so I'm too scared to engage in the conversation. Yeah.
2: I would say just google it and also i feel like there i like a... that just google
1: it i say that to google my
2: team it, there are so many Thank instagram you. accounts as well like i know so many of my friends that like they don't work in the
3: space but yeah. they know so much about it because they're just like interested in it generally
1: yeah i feel like coming from melbourne uni a lot of people were like obviously super into sustainability yeah and i feel like sometimes it can be a bit intimidating not knowing that much about the topic because obviously like i don't want to say the wrong thing but yeah no i yeah, yeah, I reckon no, sometimes. And you care. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, care, it's like I you're... care about exactly.
3: it. But, but like sometimes care.
1: it's so hard to keep up and just don't want to do Constant the wrong thing. changes, more yeah. information, 100%. Now it's time to talk all things sustainability, interior design, and making it in Hollywood with pop culture legend, Troye Sivan. For those who are living under a rock or maybe they don't have the best taste in music, oh. can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your journey
3: yeah so I'm Troy Sivan I'm Sage's brother nice um and I have been making music like professionally I, I got signed uh when I was about to turn 18 and okay. I'm 27 now so almost 10 years wow and um yeah it's pop music it's fun <laughs> it's, it's good music good. it's Thank good you. music the thanks best music. touring and doing all that stuff and, like, some acting and, yeah.
1: Okay, so if you were going to say, like, right now, if you were working on something that you're, like, super excited about, Mm. obviously apart from coming on to our podcast, what Mm. would it be?
3: I mean, there's so much in the pipeline. I just filmed um, a TV show for the last year called The Idol for HBO and that's coming out next year. Um, And I am almost finished my album, so that'll come out. Next year as well. That's so good. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. But yeah. Great. He's killing yeah.
1: It. Killing okay. It, killing it.
0: okay. Okay. So basically this podcast is obviously called Normalize Not Knowing. Yeah. And the point of it is to talk about sustainability in a way that makes it like a really safe space. Um, often we, we talk about it and we're like, people don't know. A lot yeah. about the space, a, a lot about sustainability, and it prevents people from then having
1: conversations because they're actually quite fearful of not knowing enough, or like saying the wrong thing, or being called out. And there's that like awful kind of cancel culture,
3: yeah. Thing. Well, going when on. when Sage first asked me about yeah. this, I was like, I can't do it. I don't. You're like, don't, no, I'm I not doing this. Like, Leave no, me alone. this is the point. <laughs> She's like, it's called normalized, not <laughs> no, knowing. No, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. yeah.
0: I guess for me, sustainability is quite of. It's a new topic. It's something mm. that. I care deeply about, but it's not something that I feel incredibly informed about. Mm. Um, And so I guess I wanted to ask you, like, how do you approach sustainability? What does it kind of look like in your life currently?
3: Yeah, I'm excited for more episodes of this to come out because I wonder if I feel the same way as other people. But Mm. um, I feel like I've always felt quite, like, helpless, honestly, when it comes Mm. to it, because it just feels so much larger than Mm. than me. Mm. And so it's like the kind of thing where you can make those... Small changes in your in your everyday life. You know, I ride my bike everywhere or take public transport. We compost at the house. Yeah. We're good about recycling, stuff like that. Um, and if there's a plant-based option that I think tastes as good as the meat <laughs> option, then I'll go for that. But beyond that, I feel really helpless. Like I really do feel like um, anytime I, you know, read or consume media about climate change, it puts this like – kind of panic into me where I'm just like, I don't know what more I can be doing. I offset my carbon every time I fly. yeah, um, Cause I think that that's probably my biggest, I know that I travel a lot more than, than a lot of people. So that's definitely where I think I'm doing the most damage. Um, and so I try and offset that. Yeah. For the most part, it's not like the happiest sentiment in the world, but I, I do feel quite, mm. I, I feel like there's like people, important people who should be doing more Mm -hmm. and that it is kind of like a bit gaslighty to put it on the consumer to like you know throw your your bottles in the right bin. 100%. Um, Yeah. It's
1: so interesting that you've said that because I'm like wow two things. A we like went to the streets and we asked people a simple Mm. question. We were like do you think the environmental responsibility sits with consumers, brands or government and the wide breadth of answers we got was insane. Most people kind of share your sentiment. Like, yeah. I am one person. There is only so much I can do. I don't create the products that mm. people then have to learn how to recycle or compost or discard. Right. And then also the government should be doing more in regulating these big brands mm. and make sure that they actually are creating products that are going to be positive. Yep. And so most people kind of answered, like, mm. there's only so much I can do. Or, like, actually the responsibility sits with mm. everyone at mm. every single stage. So I yeah. do yeah. think... That that's a really valid point, and that's what everybody's kind of saying,
3: yeah, you want to be able to do more and everything 100%. like that, but then yeah. it's like big business or you hear one of those stats where it's like oh an a fire in wherever has let off more greenhouse gases yeah. than like you can emit in ten years exactly I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do right yeah. now you know yeah. like how can I help?
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, then speaking as a individual and as a consumer, I'm kind of intrigued to know where do you think you consume the most right now? Mm.
3: I definitely think it's travel. Mm. Okay. I think every time I get on a plane, I, I feel bad. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they, make, they do make it really easy. You check that little box. It's like an extra $8 or something like that. Yeah. And you've like offset your carbon. Yeah. It's, it's travel. travel. I have an electric car. Is oh, this just true. like me trying to get the guilt off my chest? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's justifying right now. No, I'm I like, ate, oh, good, it's good. No, you know what, the first, no but the yeah. fact that yeah. you're
1: even aware of all the things that you're consuming yeah. and actually being mindful mm. is, yeah. sounds like this is AA. It's the first step. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not AA. It's more just like people don't even know what they're consuming or what they're doing. So like the fact that you've even got, exactly. you know, like a general and consensus of like, no, I'm trying to make the best decisions I can mm. is all that you can ask of people. And also
0: I feel like, it's so important for people to hear this because I think everyone, when they enter these yeah. conversations, everyone's human. Everyone is mm. consuming in one way or another, whether that's flying, whether that's shopping, like we all do it. Yep. But mm. people then, when it comes to having conversations about sustainability, they're like, oh, well, I can't talk about it because I consume X amount. And, and, mm. and yeah. that means I'm, my opinion is not valid. But in reality, mm. every human is consuming constantly. 100 And we are still allowed to have these conversations. Yeah.
3: Another interesting thing that's like coming to mind now as well is, um, like, sounds lame to say, but privilege and how, like, mm. I, you know, the, the fact that electric cars are really expensive, yeah, and, mm. um, try totally. you know, being like being able to eat, yeah, like green, yeah. gets really expensive, yep. and yeah, so um, even what, that,
0: what that is that point? I'm like. I, I'm like creating a brand and and how how
1: expensive it is to make. Every single
0: choice that we make
1: to be more ethical or have a more positive impact costs on average 10 Mm. times more. Like, I'm, I'm wow. not even kidding. It actually does. Yeah, And yeah. it's funny because when people ask me for connects to be like, you know, would you share your IP with your fabric or would you share your compostable supplier or whatever, I'm always like, yes, absolutely, because I yeah. think it will make more of an impact. But the problem isn't whether I'm going to share the IP or give you my contact. Mm. It's then what people will do with it mm. because they'll be like, well, hang on, you're only making that tiny margin from that. Mm. No thanks. I'll yeah. stick on my, yeah. you know, XX solution. So it's a also that's a choice. A couple months
3: ago I was at this thing and I heard a talk by um, – Bjarke Ingels, I think is his name. He's an architect. And he was talking about sustainability in architecture. And he yeah. was saying that mm-hmm. he believes that the only way to get people to actually genuinely move towards a more sustainable future is um, this idea of hedonistic sustainability. So making sustainability mm-hmm. funner, better for business. Like it actually has to be the, the clear, better option. Totally. Where it's like, why would I not? And I think that that's something that um, – is, is not across, like, all industries and, and yeah. products yet not as a all. consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still cheaper to make the less green decision. It mm-hmm. still, you know, takes more time and more effort to be green. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, as, like, That's a privileged great. person, it's, it's easier, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. hopefully over time it'll... Change.
1: Yeah, it's easier, but you still have to make that choice. So yeah. you're still making that no, choice actively because there are so many people that are privileged that wouldn't be making that choice. Right. It sounds like I'm just like Team Troy right now, but <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah, nice. no, but like I genuinely know a lot of people that are in those privileged positions that aren't mm. necessarily making those choices. So mm. I think yeah. that that speaks volumes. Oh, yeah. well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And then
0: in terms of like, I guess relating the shopping and consuming
1: mm. to. Your house. Mm. The house. The house.
0: Yeah.
3: How does
1: it feel living in the coolest house in Melbourne? Uh oh, It feels it's pretty good.
3: No, I do the house like brings me such joy every yeah. single day. Mm. Um well, like literally w- every day.
1: Literally.
0: I was reflecting and I feel like there are many ways that you've built the house in a way that kind of puts sustainability at the forefront mm. in terms of like shopping locally mm-hmm. or buying secondhand furniture. Can you talk
1: to that? Yeah, can you give yeah, us some of so, Van house tips, please?
3: <laughs> yeah. um, Asking for a friend. Almost everything in the house, all of the furniture is vintage mm-hmm. um, and locally sourced. Wow. Um, and then anything else um, that was new, we did uh, custom build for the house. So that was all done locally as well um, using, I'm pretty sure, almost all local materials as Amazing. well. So, um yeah, I don't know. I wanted the house to – that actually was yeah. not really uh, – sustainability was not no. necessarily the reason why I did that in the beginning. It was about um, – I really wanted the house to feel like Melbourne to mm. me and feel local and feel like Australian. And I just fell in love with a lot of the, you know, smaller vintage shops around and stuff yeah. like that. And so it just kind of happened really naturally. Um, mm. But, yeah, I'm happy that – and also another – I think one way where we were thinking about sustain, st- sustainability – was um we we wanted to build something that would last. So it kind of like if you think about it in the sense of like fashion or something like 100%. that. If you know, if you can, I, I think building rather than flipping something that then, you know, you're gonna that's gonna break and then you're gonna sell it in five years or whatever, like I want my grandkids to mm. inherit that house one day. So it's like, um, yeah, we wanted to renovate once and do it really, really well yeah. with high quality materials like locally sourced mm. um, so that, yeah, it's kind of like a one and done thing. That the house has been there for 150 years or something like that mm. and so I just kind of see myself as the current custodian of it so mm. I want to um, mm. build something that lasts.
0: Mm. What are some of your favourite vintage
1: furniture stores in Melbourne?
3: Smith Street Bazaar. Yes. Casarina um, & Co.
1: Are you a Facebook marketplace troller?
3: I I have been in the past. It's Mm. super overwhelming. My bedside tables. Sage's bedside tables from Facebook Marketplace. marketplace.
1: Yeah.
3: My dining chairs were not Facebook Marketplace, but um, Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes. Wait, sorry, Instagram? Yeah, I, like, found the seller on Instagram. Oh,
1: cool. Mm. Like, those more? It was curated spaces
3: on Instagram. Oh, yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Cool,
1: cool. What about
3: in LA? In LA, my favourite shops? Oh, there's so many. First one that comes to mind is it's actually a lighting shop. It's vintage lights called Rewire follow their instagram just because it's yeah, like it it's like the best light porn you'll ever see it's so, <laughs> so 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 good
1: okay well switching gears for a second i am assuming that people gift you a lot like people would probably reach out a lot, send you a lot of things. PR packages. Yeah, like what is the craziest PR package you've ever received? Where you've gone, hang on a minute, this is a bit
3: craziest one I've ever got.
1: I've got one have you? that I can think of, but I, I, I don't want to drag I know. No, you don't have to the say that. Obviously, don't say the brand, you can just say you can describe it. Yeah, but it. if I
3: describe it, it'll be people will know okay. what it was. Okay, yeah, okay. the cookies. No, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Who's
0: cooking? So he's like, I got this out. weird
1: jumper but from Conserving Beauty.
0: It was packed in this like no. ridiculous garment bag. Got a package, and there were about twenty cookies. Okay, different flavors.
1: Do I
3: don't remember? remember that. Mm-mm. You don't remember
0: cookies? Okay. In, they in were, Melbourne, as in like They got delivered heart. from LA. Okay. And they were stale oh. by the time no. <laughs> they got to the house.
3: I don't remember who sent that, so if I don't remember, it's good, but no, I do really remember. Either.
0: who sent it. I won't, I won't yeah, drag Yeah, don't, don't drag them. But saying. I thought it was kind of. First of all, each cookie was then wrapped in. Oh, like sausage. Yeah, and yeah. it's come
3: from America. Come
0: from America. <laughs> they were stale, which okay. meant they were kind of inedible, which mm. meant unfortunately we had to like yeah throw them out no and i'm
3: so down for god people and i'm so down Mm. for i i love being thought of in that way you know what i mean by these people and everything like that i just do think that there's a way more sustainable about it is is a is an important thing and then yeah i feel like it's a goal of mine to figure out a good system for dealing with the stuff you know what i mean like um just sorting and organizing and and whatever so that uh, yeah, for sustainability reasons, because otherwise you just end up with a garage gifts. being full of, like, yeah. stuff that you don't really know what to do with and, and whatever. So I'm never going to be on any PR list again.
1: I know. I, <laughs> You're going to be blacklisted from reviews.
3: I re-gift a lot of stuff.
1: I was yeah. just going to ask you, like, yeah. do you have a re-gift list? Because then at least it gives it a second Yeah. Home. And I, how I do I get re- on this re-gift list? Yeah, yeah. You can you can hop on anytime.
3: <laughs> no, it's just, like, you know, if it's stuff that... Um, that I just know that I'm not going to use mm-hmm. or need. Um, I I always say thank you, and yes. then and then we'll give it to friends or or whatever yeah. if it's something that's just like not for me. for
0: me. Or um, I'll yeah. just steal it. Yeah, Sage <laughs> nice. gets a lot of stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'll just take it.
1: Everything yeah. but the cookies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So in LA, obviously you're amongst the Hollywood scene.
3: Celebrity, the hollywood (laughs) Hollywood scene
1: (laughs) we were like what do we call it yeah yeah hollywood scene yeah people with a following
3: right sure Um, the industry the
0: industry industry that's a good one the industry i'm curious to know when you go to events or even if you're just having conversations with friends do you find that sustainability conscious conversations that they're Mm. at the center of a lot of
1: a lot of a lot of the discussions or that even, you're having or even just like hyper consumerism like mm.
0: oh my yeah, god
1: true. people got to stop sending me stuff or Yeah. x
3: um i i don't know i mean definitely i noticed a massive improvement on film sets and tours wow people are really conscious about it on film sets right. and yeah like we had we were shooting the tv show for a year and there was no plastic bottles on set um that as much as possible everything. like it was
1: very mindful
3: yeah yeah super super it's mindful cool. and a lot of that comes down to um everyone bringing their own water bottle every day or you know it's like the cartons of water instead of yeah we actually had the cans of water it was weird but mm-hmm. um yeah so there I noticed it and then now I know a lot of it's been a while since I toured but there's a lot of like third party touring companies that that help make touring more sustainable because touring is like Wow. You've got buses and trucks and flights mm, and right. whatever, and it's it's really, really, yeah. really heavy. Resources, yeah. um, so I know a lot of um, bands and tours are making big steps in that direction. Mm. Socially, I don't feel like it's that much at the forefront of mind. Um, mm. At least, I don't know, it doesn't come up a ton in conversation. Yeah. Um, but I do know that, like, a lot of events that, you know, uh, like public events that I would go to, You notice little things like um, at the Met Gala this year, the menu was plant based and stuff like that. So yeah, I I do think that it's, um, there's probably a lot happening behind the scenes that, is moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, That's really cool. And I feel like a lot of people in that space are now also like on investing in businesses that are having like a positive mm. impact mm. on the planet or they're creating their own and they th- they're definitely thinking about sustainability. So yeah. do you feel that too?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think that um, – and it, that always makes me feel good, you yeah. know, because that goes back to that thing that I was saying in the beginning where it's like I feel pretty helpless a lot of the time. So it does kind of like make you breathe a sigh of relief when the, the big bosses are taking care of it. Uh, you know uh, Mm. at least uh, you hope it's not like greenwashing but um but at least optically they're taking care of it you know
1: (laughs) Mm. yeah speaking of greenwashing just curious what do you think about the whole greenwashing piece like do you actually think that people can create products and businesses that do have a positive impact or do you think it would all be a bit of greenwashing to some extent
3: I I mean I'm sure it's like everywhere and um yeah, as a consumer, I don't personally know how to spot it. Mm. You know, I don't. Mm. I mean, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like there's the really easy example of like them putting a leaf on a label and making it green, mm. but like it's not actually green at all. Um, but but yeah, I think that that would be an interesting thing to learn. Is like what are the telltale signs um, of something that's actually like eco-friendly versus versus not? Just mm. when you're in like the grocery store or something, you totally. know. Totally.
1: Mm. Mm. I know I said to someone recently, I'm like, well, technically there should be no greenwashing because technically like we as consumers should have the uh, confidence that when we're buying something, if it says that's what it is, mm. yeah. that's like, that's what it should be. Yeah, yeah. But there are so many businesses now and like third party like platforms that are helping companies like validate their green claims or giving mm. supporting evidence. So I feel like that's really cool. And I feel like if anything, that's going to kind of start to transform yeah. into other industries to like that's awesome. help us out as consumers.
3: Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Mm. Moving forward.
3: Mm. How do
0: you feel like you want to approach these conversations with friends and family? Because, you know, at the, the goal of this podcast is to to encourage people mm. to continue the conversation and not feel like they can't be a part of it if mm. they don't know. And I feel like I'm learning more to to take part in it and say, actually, I don't know the answer to that. Or like mm. if someone – I use a keep cup often. And if someone were to ask me, why are you using a keep cup?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's paper. It's paper. It's paper.
1: It, it is. Like,
3: and it's, okay. it's made from plants. Yes, amazing, it is. Amazing.
1: It's okay. Nothing
0: – yeah. like, I sip that with my tea. <laughs> <paper. laughs> Um, but if someone were to ask me why, I would be like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how this keep cup is saving the planet right now. But it shouldn't stop me from from mm. having that conversation. So I guess I'm curious to know, like, do you actually – do you feel more confident or do you want to feel more confident?
3: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think – first of all, it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Mm. Um, and second of all, it is sort of dawning on me that, like, never once have I asked someone in my own life, like, what are you – Mm. doing to try and be more sustainable because I think the caution that I feel as well is you don't want to sound like you're on like a high horse like whatever it's like so you've got to almost approach it with like look I'm in the same boat and I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can what are you doing to be more sustainable is there anything that like I I could be doing you know totally and it feels like one of those weird conversations where it's like I don't know it sort of feels like a parent talking to their kid about Mm. sex or something like that where it's just like it just feels like one of these weird conversations and, and I really don't think that it should be. Um mm-hmm. so this is amazing.
1: <laughs> Keep oh, it up. Right. I can't wait to see what's on the Mellet group chat yeah, after this yeah, yeah, about sustainability.
0: He's like, mm. I'm cancelled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah packages. He's yeah. like,
1: Sage added me off the cookie. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe it. I totally agree. I think that. At the end of the day, having the conversation is the best thing we can do because if we're talking mm. about it and we're making it a priority and we're consciously thinking about things, then we can be informed to make better decisions and, you know, make the best choices we can.
3: Totally. Great. Also, last thing, but shop vintage as well, like for yes. clothing. Yeah. yeah. Vintage. Give us, vintage. A, give
1: us a little overview of what you're wearing today. Yeah.
3: Vintage Quicksilver pants from Lost and Found. Nice. Um, Quicksilver, vintage that shirt. Me back. I don't know where I got this from. But let's see if I can...
1: I hope it's a fast fashion brand. Uh, what is that? Yeah. Country, oh, country road, road workwear, work 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 but that's like the old, old logo. Yeah. Okay.
0: Like
3: this that's shirt, old, that's my funny. favorite t shirt, act up t shirt from like the nineties, vintage. Nice, amazing,
0: wow. Uh, They're yeah, cool. All vintage, except all for the shoes. Vintage. What are the shoes? The Adidas. shoes are cool. No, they,
3: are they are, yeah, Adidas. Yeah. Um, and Wales Bonner, who I feel like would be doing some cool stuff yeah, in the sustainability and, yeah. the space. So yeah. we can Google it after. But I'm pretty sure these are like. I don't know. They're green, so right. no. I love I feel that. Like they're
0: good. If you are in Melbourne, Lost and Found, place lost and to found, be. Yes, Fitzroy Market. There's so many great yeah. vintage marketplaces. Yeah, you're yeah.
1: always rocking a cool vintage. Trying. Mm. This is a complete rogue question. It has nothing to do with sustainability, but yeah. like obviously you have flawless skin, and um. I'm just <laughs> curious. Thank you. What is like? What is like your beauty routine even look like?
3: I have to be honest. It's. Oh, um, you just were born like that. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> did. The see? mallets. It's a running no, thing. No, it's like, because I don't want to be mom. annoying That's about ice. it. And beauty? No, because <laughs> it's just, it, I feel no, like it's beauty. annoying when people then like plug an expensive product yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. When like in reality, I, yeah. I you genuinely have just like have never really had an issue with my skin, thankfully. Wow. And so our mum's the same. Our dad's the same. So it's like, we just got pretty lucky, I think. So I use like stuff that is like really 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 simple like the the whatever the bare minimum is that Mm -hmm. I can do with like no fragrance and stuff like that Mm -hmm. then I'm just like I don't really want to mess with it you know so
1: 100%
3: sometimes just water
1: you were born blessed
3: (laughs) you know you were born blessed just with water or like yeah Yeah. I'll use like a set of fill face wash or something like that 100% yeah
1: okay no, I love that. Love it. Thank you. No worries. Epic. All right. Thank you so Epic. much. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. Love so fun. You. We are so grateful. <laughs> love you too. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Love you. Chamberlain. Yeah. Love, love you, you babe. <laughs> love you, bye. It's time to debunk sustainability myths with our resident expert and Green Senator, Sarah Hanson young For those of you who don't know a little bit about your background, Sarah, do you mind sharing a little bit of why you're here and how you got
2: here? wonderful to be here and what a fabulous podcast I think so needed in uh, today's world when people are desperate to do the right thing but need access to the information and I guess that's you know what I've tried to do over the last 15 years. I've been a member of the Australian Parliament in the Senate for the last 15 years. I was the youngest woman ever to be elected and it's a big part of that was to try and bring uh, women in particular uh, and young women into the space of politics, because politics is what governs our lives, what it, it's what drives business, it's what uh, we rely on in terms of services when things go wrong, and I really wanted to be able to make sure that young people and women had uh, a voice in Parliament. I'm very passionate about the environment, of course, I'm with the Greens, and so uh, climate change, looking after the environment, uh, protecting nature is so fundamental to who I am, I'm a mum as well, and I've got a 15-year-old daughter. And so, understanding how uh, she sees the world, what the world is going to look like when she decides whether she wants to have children or not, what kind of future she will have—they're all the things that motivate me in my daily life and in my and in my political life. It's—it's it's not really a job; it's a vocation. It—it it never mm. stops. It's always um, on the go but it's the best, uh, you know, it's the best life. I just, I get to meet amazing people, uh, learn lots of interesting things, and then uh, find ways to help others become part of the conversation.
1: No, it's so incredible. The work that you do is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And we have been huge admirers for years. And so to even be with you today and partnering up on our podcast together, I mean, it's a real true honor. And I think Sage and I couldn't be more grateful for your time, so thank you, Sarah.
2: Oh, it's so wonderful to be part of this. So, Sarah,
0: as you know, this is our first episode and for the first episode we took it to the streets and we went and we asked everyday people this question and it's are you too afraid to have conversations around sustainability in fear of not knowing enough? Mm -hmm. And we wanted to get your perspective on this.
2: I think there is a hesitancy. I think people um, become... You know, they're really passionate about these issues. They know that uh, we need to do more to protect the environment, that we need to all take individual responsibility for the impact that we're having on the earth, whether that's how much water we're consuming, uh, whether uh, you know, what happens to the plastic packaging and the products that we buy. And th- there is always this kind of um, uh, desperation for us to do the right thing. But sometimes getting access to that information is not easy. And uh, I think sometimes it can be a bit of uh, kind of shaming of people if they don't have all the right arm, made a mistake. I'm, I think we need to be um, empathetic and pa- compassionate here. Uh, this is about preserving the earth. This is about saving our future. This is about looking after us as a community. And you can't do that if you're just hitting people over the head Uh, all the time and saying, no, wrong way, go back. I think we need to provide a safe space for people to understand what their choices are and so that they can make informed choices that also then are going to be sustainable for them. I see this a lot. I see um, in the world of activism, people desperate Mm. to change things. They're frustrated about uh, the world and they want to get active and involved. Um, but unless that, that, that involvement is at a level and in uh, in a way that really does speak to their heart and their skills or their desperation to learn, uh, it won't be sustainable for them. And you see people crash and burn very quickly. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely. And it's got to be accessible and relatable for people too. And I think you're so right. I think after taking to the streets, we really noticed everybody cares. Nobody Mm. said, Oh, no, I couldn't couldn't care less about yeah. the environment or the planet or no, I, you know, would shy away from it. I think most people kind of gave the feedback as, yeah, I do really care, but I either don't know enough so I don't want to sound like an idiot mm-hmm. because I don't want people to judge me and I don't know where to go to find the information or I will only talk about it if it's a really closed circle or a safe space. Yep. And, you know, funnily enough, some people actually said, well, I really think that the education system can do a better job from when we're in schools mm-hmm. to help give us the tools so we can be equipped to make those informed decisions as we get older. And from from your perspective, do you think there's more that schools um, can do and like even enforcing that in the co-curricular activities that we kind of share with like young Australians?
2: I think there's a lot that... Is missed out in uh, schools. There's kind of it, and it, unfortunately, it really depends on what school you go to, uh, right. often as to what access to information you've got, how uh, encouraging the school is to be involved in uh, issues like looking after the environment or social justice, or um, you know, being able to use your voice as a young person, let alone your yeah. consumer power or your civics power. I think mm-hmm. a big part of the problem is that there is very little taught around what mm-hmm. uh, civic participation looks like, mm-hmm. and when I say civic, I mean you know basic politics. I it, I, I meet people all the time uh, as a politician in the supermarket, on the streets, uh, who at, at school pickups and drop offs, who say mm-hmm. to me oh I don't I don't really understand politics. I'm not really interested in politics, and then they'll go on to tell me all of the things that they are concerned about, that worries them, that they're frustrated about. Uh, and I'm like, that is politics. yeah, you, you yeah, do care. yeah, you, you do, care. do care. yeah, <laughs> you do care about these things. You care deeply. You're making choices every day for the things that uh, how you want to live your life and model your behavior to your friends, your family. Uh, and the footprint that you're leaving for uh on on this earth so um i think there needs to be more done in our school environment to encourage people to understand their level of participation um often of course it's a it's an old trope to say oh young people aren't engaged they're disinterested they're not interested um it's it's not true it's it's yeah, just not true I see young people all the time putting their hands up for volunteering, making life choices that are not just about them but about the impact on the planet, the impact on their communities, and they have information at their fingertips in a way that no other generation has. And so they can become self-informed, and they are. They're doing that. At the moment, the climate movement is led by young people and you know uh, Greta Thunberg, of course, being the most um, obvious on an international level, but Greta is being replicated by particularly young women right around the world. And here in Australia, there is a huge number of young people, particularly young women who are getting involved and saying, actually, we want to say about what our future looks like.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, I think what the few themes that you've said really resonate, like I went to two different high schools as an example. One didn't have social justice activities at all, but it wasn't even part of the curricula. Mm-hmm. The second school I went to, it was heavily advocated for, and I got really immersed and extremely involved, but that all came down to accessibility and what was available for me yeah. to come in contact with. So it's really interesting you say that. I guess another question for you would be, how do you think we can encourage more Australians to kind of get a part of the conversation around sustainability and the fact that they they might not know enough and how to kind of get
2: back in? Yeah. Look, I think um, one of the things to do is to access uh, podcasts like this. Uh, Great. That's a big sprook. <laughs> Everybody listening, We were waiting for that. <laughs> Find good sources of information. Um, yeah. There is, I, I do think we have to be a bit careful. We've got to be realistic that while society and community uh, ex- are expecting uh products and companies to do to to do more in the space of sustainability and the environment and expect greener products expect us to you know think about uh, the impact the lifetime impact of of products and companies know that and so there is uh, this kind of there's been this uh, a, a surgeance of um Uh, companies saying that they are green, saying -hmm. that they're doing the right thing um, in order to not lose their their consumers, their customers, uh, their brand power. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you scratch below the surface, perhaps they're not doing as much as they actually say they're doing. And that's where the term Mm -hmm. greenwashing comes from. My favourite term. (laughs) It's because (laughs) on on one hand, there is this silver lining. Okay. And I think we've got to be upfront and honest about this. There is a higher demand than ever before from the community, the public, uh, the customer, or in my case, uh, the voter, to mm. uh, products and uh, services that are that are better for the planet. Everyone can see that we are dealing with the real impacts of climate change right now. Absolutely, they can see the issues of pollution. Uh, they can see those. Uh, statistics in relation to our wildlife the numbers of koalas that we have left which is just so devastatingly low yeah. that they're facing extinction like this is not okay people are worried about this and yeah. um, so they're putting pressure on on uh, the marketplace and companies and so I I see that as a good thing and companies yeah. are having to respond so I don't want to be down about this but there are pitfalls like there are in everything and um what you need to do is if you if you genuinely uh want to make sure your time, your energy, your money goes towards things that are genuinely good for the environment, you do have to do a bit of research. Absolutely. Um, and don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of asking the basic questions because actually there are no simple answers to these things. Mm. Um, and we're all asking. I, I had an example the other day of uh somebody wanting me to spruke um, a product of theirs, as you know, I'm a, a green politician and they wanted to hear me say, you know, that this product is good. Right. While they were talking about one particular part of the environment, they weren't considering their supply chain impacts. So <laughs> I had to kind of go back and say, Well, I'm happy for you to, I'm really glad you're interested in these things. Um, but how about you look into this element of, of your yeah. supply chain better? So actually asking the question even if it sounds naive, can be one of the most powerful ways to push companies to do the right thing.
1: And I think in saying that, I think there are so many companies that actually would welcome the questions and Mm -hmm. they want to engage in conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, when we receive a question about, say, our water usage or our packaging or why they're individually packaged or whatever it may be, I'm like, I love it. I'm like, great. People, number one, actually care for starters. Number Mm -hmm. two, they want to open a dialogue direct with our customer base. There's no... There's no more thing I would rather do. And then we can share and then, you know, give as much information as possible to our customer and then hopefully build trust and transparency with them. And I feel like most things when it comes to sustainability I always say it stems from supply chain. So I was smiling when you were saying that because how can you say you're having a true impact if you don't have a traceable and transparent supply chain and you don't know how much resources you're using at what quantities and where you're taking them from and who's actually impacted along the way and who's actually making the product. So Mm -hmm. I think going forward, especially when it comes to not just beauty, but just any industry, we will see so many customers transparently map and show their supply chain. Uh, sorry, brands showing that and yeah. to on give the consumer that vote of confidence that they know where they're purchasing things from, where they're coming from, and, and that they're trusted. Definitely, definitely.
0: I'm intrigued to know. Obviously, we're speaking to people like me, consumers who are very new to this conversation. And I think you kind of touched on this before, but I'd love to know what advice you'd give to. People in leadership positions like yourself or the government or brands, what are those tips and tricks on creating a really safe space for people to feel like they can be a part of the conversation and ask the wrong question or the right question and really just make it the most accessible, safe environment that it could be?
2: I think the main thing is to not one, um, not be defensive when people ask the question, like invite questions, be welcoming, uh, to their engagement and whether that's, uh, you know, through your, you know, customer relations, uh, whether it's that, you know, some portal on your website or, you know, uh, a process by which you can take basic questions and have them responded, um. But I think being up front with people that you don't necessarily have all the answers either, but this is mm-hmm. where you want to go. This is, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that in and of itself allows for a, a two-way conversation with the consumer, with the voter, with the broader community or other companies that may be want to uh, partner with you as well. And we see mm-hmm. a lot in politics, um, lots of corporations, lots of companies, lots of small businesses, startups, all kind of in the same space and I think often there's so much um, of a competitive nature that uh, that's where the corners get cut rather than where lessons are learned and uh, actually I think we need to see more collaboration from Mm. like-minded businesses to work together uh, totally. so that that innovation can be harnessed.
1: Yeah, and shared, I think. And shared, mm-hmm. and
2: that's a role mm-hmm. of government, okay? Like that that is mm-hmm. that is part of setting the policy frameworks is to encourage collaboration and innovation and the sharing of that knowledge. We are at the a, at a really crucial fork in the road right now where we have to reduce pollution drastically if we are to keep temperatures below 1.5 degrees, which would be like, you know, the 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 most important thing to stop uh, catastrophic climate change getting hold, and and you know, it's going to be very hard to do this. We need everyone's efforts on this, and no mm-hmm. one company, no one political party, no one government agency, um, either in Australia or around the world, has the solution to all of this, mm-hmm. and no yeah. one has the solution that is. Um, Uh, you know, that is necessarily the solution that that will take hold for the next however many years. It's going to be a jigsaw puzzle. It is part of a fabric of transitioning our economy, looking after our environment as we go along and being upfront about what the costs of that means.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think if you were to say to somebody that, might not engage in these conversations that wants to start. What do you think the number one question that they should be asking brands in particular and services when they do start engaging?
2: I think the first thing to ask is, does your company have a goal? are you are you yeah. signed up to uh, pollution reduction targets? are you have you signed up to uh, a goal that will reduce pollution? Uh, whether that's reducing plastics or 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 uh, climate change, uh, mm-hmm. carbon pollution, do you have a goal? Does your organisation yeah. have a goal? Because if they've got a goal, then mm-hmm. you can start to say, "Oh, okay." And what does that look? Like? And how do you what measure is that, process? that? Exactly?
1: Yeah. Do you have third parties that help you do it? I think that's a brilliant,
0: brilliant first question. Answer. Yeah,
1: great. Agree. What a way to. <laughs>
0: To end the episode,
1: yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say, I feel like I'm blown away, and I feel like I could also listen to you for 20 hours Agreed. because everything what you say, I'm like, yeah. yes, that's what I th- like, that's what I believe, that's what I thought, and thank you for validating so many of our assumptions and questions, and giving giving our community a really good thought starters and a great place to start having these conversations around normalising the fact that they might not know enough and it's okay and to start having questions around sustainability. So it's really important. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And I'm excited for episode two.
1: Yes. Very. (laughs)